Welcome to The Partition, home of kinky wellness with Dana and Kat. Together, we give a new voice to kinky sexual wellness. We're not your average wellness advocates, so let's peel back the layers of kinky wellness and talk about it. Hey, and welcome back. How are you doing, Katrina? I'm doing well. How's your week going? So far, so good. So in this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit more about BDSM and some misconceptions that we have just in general about it. Uh, because I do feel like there is a generalization that BDSM, that the people involved in BDSM are just traumatic or traumatized in general, but in a negative sense. I think that every, I feel like there is like, oh, there must be something wrong with you. But my perspective on that is that we're all kind of fucked up. Like we all are all fucked up. Yeah, I agree with you because I feel like BDSM gets framed especially by media especially in certain instances where it is mis people with misinformation it does get framed a lot as it's you know either people looking to be completely controlling and to do x y and z or it's something people fall into because they're traumatized because they've gone through something awful and they can't possibly have a relationship again and you're like well it's not for a lot of people it's for a lot of different things it's the same for kink and fetish itself specifically outside of bdsm like people are interested in things it doesn't have to mean there's a sad story attached to it and even if there is though like that's the thing like it might start off like if i take my my story like i went in because I didn't realize how much I lacked certain types of like encouragement. And so I went in there because I had a low self esteem around encouragement, even though I do a lot of things on my own, I'm self-reliant at that point. But deep down inside, I didn't know how badly I wanted someone just to say encouraging words to me to watch me improve on something. So as we're like, it's not weird in the sense like sex was that arena where I could be encouraged to do better. And therefore I got better and having encouragement kind of seeped into other types of my life, but to grow up not being encouraged and then being encouraged in my mid-20s all the way up, that's where things really change. No, I agree. Did you find then that it had like a massive improvement on your self-esteem for your, for yourself personally to be able to kind of watch yourself be encouraged and then also see the positive actions that came out of that for yourself then? Yes, uh, I would say that there was a change. I think that I came out of denial on a lot of things. I think I was acting stronger than I actually was. I think that I was putting on a bigger front of everything's okay, even though it's not really. And it's not anything about specific. Like another thing I kind of want to clarify here on this too, is that when people find out that I was raped in my mid twenties, I think a lot of people try to bring the BDSM and kink into that. And I It's not like for my case, I'm not saying that this was case for everybody, but in my case, I didn't have that because I was raped. I like going into those environments because I wanted the care and attention and that specialized attention that I was receiving out of it, which fell around encouragement, which fell around discipline, which fell around all of these like comforting and protective feelings that I could get. No, yeah, that makes sense. I think mine probably would be slightly related to trauma because I know I want to be but then again, maybe not. May I know when I say I want to be dominant, like I think I would fall more on the dom side of things if I did, like when I do eventually go and practice it. People are like, oh, it's because you have vagismus. It's because you have a lack of control. You had a lack of control 
within sex previously that that's where it comes from and i'm like to a point yes to a point it doesn't have to be the whole like mixture as to why like that's the thing there's components to it but i hate how people try to oversimplify why someone it's yeah it's the oversimplification i'm like no i've always had quite a dominant personality and i like like you said i like attention i love the idea of somebody want ask wanting me so much that they have to ask permission to have me yeah that does it for me that is my kink <laughs> but um I you know I like you said attention I love the idea of having somebody's attention wholly fixed on me and being in control of the when the where and the how and maybe that does feed into things that happened previously in my life. And- well, what's wrong with it? That's the thing. Yeah. What's wrong with it? That's the thing. Like I can openly sit here and say that the things that I did directly impact what I didn't and did receive. And the experiences that I had and didn't have in my childhood, which grew into the adult, like where are those experiences supposed to go? I think that we have this, uh, like you're an adult now, you have to be this full formed person because the question is, when do you become an adult? Like, where's that line between transitioning into a kid to an adult? Like, we're in this weird gray cycle where I feel like, especially in our 30s. It- no, but yeah, I agree on that one. It's, I would say it's it's not even just your 30s. It's your late 20s more than anything, I would say. Because it's those last few years where suddenly one side of your friendship group is getting married and is settled down and thinking of their future and they're really happy and they know who they are and they've got this amazing self-confidence. And then on this completely other side, you'll have friends that have never dealt with certain things and you start to notice how they aren't dealing with certain things from their childhood and teenagers because they're still playing the same they're still doing the same stuff as they were when they were teenagers I think like maybe that's me and maybe that's like my friendship groups and what no, I've, I've seen it I think it's pretty that. universal like I think that we all know somebody like that and that's the thing if you don't deal with your intimacy issues not deal if you don't work through your intimacy issues they will follow you I guess arguably until you are on your deathbed it doesn't really matter in your 20s or your 30s you could be 40 having this conversation 50 60 if you don't deal with it So I think that BDSM and kink gives you those opportunities to either ask for the attention you want or to deal with things you want to deal with. And that's the thing, like this idea that we're all healed and that there is this point where we will be healed. I don't, I don't know if I actually believe in that concept. I believe that it's a conscious thing that you're always working on because life gives you things that you're going to be sad about throughout your whole life. Universal experiences that we all face is death. So a loved one or a bit like, or the loss of a loved one, that's trauma. And to say like, you can't even work through that or like feel those emotions, like feel those places. BDSM and King can give you emotions, like a place to feel anything you want to deal with literally anything, anything out there. It's yeah. It's almost we're, we're always in a constant state of healing. There's never a place where we're like completely healed, I would say, because like you said, other things will happen in your life that's going to hurt you again. I think the question is, you see that you become more healed when stuff, bad stuff happens to you and you can handle it a bit better than the last time. Yes. Like and you don't immediately, yes, you don't immediately fall back into 
self-sabotage in or like bad th- things that you did before that were ultimately as unhealthy and bad for you as what happened to you. <laughs> yeah. And self-sabotage is a big one that I want. Like people, some, I feel like sometimes people self-sabotage themselves on a sexual level. Cause again, it comes down to the honesty. Like I know I did that po- podcast about how I think that people that are more honest with their sexual self are more honest in general And because it causes so, it's so painful to be honest with yourself about what turns you on, because what turns you on and turns you off is not always going to be happy, like aggression, like my life. Okay. So going back into like my childhood a little bit, I'm very comfortable within anger. I am very comfortable within chaos. That is something that I feel like my body naturally is like, you're cool here. You're cool. You, you, you felt this before, but that's the problem. I didn't teach myself, you know, little things like that's, that's not a way to live. Like you can live a calmer life. But the thing is like, there's a part of me that misses that chaos. And so BDSM and kink, you can like rough house and play as what you want, but it's chaos, but controlled almost, but I'm yeah. comfortable there. I love it. I, I generally, generally enjoy it. Obviously that's why I'm in this, but and for some, it might be really nerve wracking to say like, Oh my gosh, I like being angry or I like showing this emotion or like being this temporary emotion that or maybe on the opposite side of it as well I enjoy somebody coming at me with that emotion because we get told you shouldn't enjoy that you shouldn't you shouldn't enjoy an aggressive partner but many many people do where they enjoy or you shouldn't want that rough like you said the roughness oh you you shouldn't want that that's connected to abuse. Well, no, there's a very big difference between a very controlled scene and I'm being abused. And I think people need to remember, like need to understand that it's all about context. True. It is all about context, but even to your point, um, I think that anger is something that it's also one of those universal emotions that we all have. So at like, some point you're gonna have to put it somewhere and like for me that outlet is there but yeah I guess you shouldn't aggression's weird because I'm like that I would say because I'm the submissive one in this so I do like when someone's when I see somebody's aggressive side then I would be in that boat I don't know what it is I yeah I do in general I'm like this is fine like this is exciting like I get to move I get to like genuinely like have these big moments with my arms like get like not so much confined onto the bed like roughhousing to me is like I grew up with a brother and I don't know like if you fought with your sister at all but man you go hard you don't don't give a fuck they're not a person to you they're just your sibling like that I miss that type of feeling I I not that I miss so much as fighting but I love that playfulness I don't mind if I get bruises I don't mind if I get a little cuts here and there it's chill yeah, I agree. I mean, me and my brother used to do um, boxing together, and he was the one that I always got put up against. Um, my young, so my younger brother is um, my mum's best friend's son. So we grew up together. There's literally nine months between us. He is my little brother. Um, we used to play wrestling, and it's always the funniest story I've got with people about your sibling doesn't give a shit. You are just a sibling. Is um. We got told, stop playing WWF, someone's going to get hurt. Now, I knew it wasn't real. My little brother thought it was a real thing. So we picked up, um, you know, the folding chairs? He picked up and smacked me across the ribs with a folding chair. Oh, my God. I know. The thing is, we weren't that young. We were, like, old enough to know we shouldn't have done it. So he's, like, hit me, and he's, like... 
my god like his face was like why isn't she running off like why isn't she getting back up oh and my I was that choking on my breath like <gasps> but we're both like he's he starts crying because he realizes he's hurt me I'm trying to calm him down, but we're trying to keep it really quiet because our parents could hear and would have yelled at us. Dad's jokes. I know, it's awful. I, I remember I said that to someone and they were like, your brother's so abusive. I'm like, my brother wasn't abusive. It's not a him, but it's not, it's not him wanting to hurt a girl. It's like you said, it was siblings. Gender goes out of it the minute but- you've siblings <laughs> yeah but also to your point like that's how little kids are also seeing how to play so like if kids are seeing that as a form of play like they're going to grow into that and some people like it like that's the thing too like wrestling is a sport that people was yeah. it esport or esport or whatever that people do participate in and it's like you can do that in your room you can do that in your house i know i'm yeah it is an interesting one where you see yeah, it's a hard one because I find people kind you like you said, like where I do find though the people who immediately say about roughhousing is there something wrong or also the people that get really weird about conversations when it comes to BDSM and it is for them framed in a negative light. And I'm well, like, well, why? I just don't think that anybody okay, you're gonna say for people that are like, no, that's bad. It's like, so you've never gotten so angry that you wanted to tear somebody's head off. You've never gotten that level of anger. Like, I find that difficult because I do think that we are. And if you did, then you broke the connection with like that side of you. And again, like everybody knows, like, I believe that you need that. It's not that I believe you actually generally need a healthy level of aggression to maintain boundaries, to have your self-reliance for yourself, ownership, your courage, all of these things. And so when you're trying to uh, pretend that it's not there, I feel like that's when people legit snap, like just. Oh, break yeah. and they go on some crazy rampage no I agree I've always maintained it I've got certain friends who are very the minute they feel anything close to anger they immediately shove it down and they shove it down and they shove it down and then they explode a few like months after the fact and it comes out worse than if they had just dealt with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the time whereas like me I've always maintained I burn bright, but I burn myself out very, very quickly. I can get, I I release my aggression in a way that is, I can get very, very angry and be like, have a grumble, but then give me five minutes and I'm calmed down. Okay, that's done. It's over with. It doesn't yeah. need to be rehashed. It's sorted. But um, no, I agree. Like, you know, you know that I've been having like some work issues outside of this with my freelance stuff. It took me having my anger tapped into to be the thing that helped snap me out of my depression for yes. the moment, it was the thing that reignited my fire and made me hit a point where I was like that's not me I'm not you know or as I said who the fuck do you think you're talking to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but hitting that point where I was able to kind of take back some control of my life and take back control of what I wanted was a really fantastic thing to do. Well, to your point about tapping into your anger, like, yeah, man, that's fire. Like, that's literally like the emotional, like, that's how I feel. That's, I can relate in the sense that even this business started out of some level of anger to get like about all sorts of things. Like, I don't want to be self-reliant on another job. I don't want to work for other people. I want, I was angry that, 
the idea of only having eight days off a month, I was like, I can't, what, I don't want this life. I don't want this life. So yeah, I used that anger and fueled it into a company, but that's, you need to tap into that. Absolutely. No, I agree. It's part of what motivated me to finally take the next steps for sex tech school. It's the thing that motivated me to try and set up this online community that I'm creating for a wedding, like with this idea of talking about bajismas and taking it out of the conversation of the clinical and bringing it into the conversation of self-love and fucking orgasms because mm-hmm. we need to stop acting like the minute you get a thing, but I digress. Like, you know, I can go on this rant all day. Yeah. But, we'll um, make a podcast dedicated to it. <laughs> but it's such an interesting, you know, it's the thing that motivated me to go to some room. It actually was the thing that made me stand there and go, what the hell, what is the worst thing that could happen? Has it already happened? But also you have got nothing left to lose right now in this one instance or in this instance you are living. So go for it. It was the thing that motivated me to take the steps for myself. How even getting my vagismus diagnosis was linked to my anger of going, why do I feel like something has been taken from me? Why do I feel like I can't have a relationship? This thing is infecting my entire life. It affects my relationship with my body, my understanding of sex and my own sexuality. And it's, it is so encompassing. How fucking dare it that it made me go and get the treatment I needed. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So it's, a, yeah, it's a very interesting one. Back to your point, though, about playing the sub side of it. Would you ever think of switching it up and doing the dom, like being dominant? Yeah, like I've played with it a few times. Um, but I just feel like I, oh, how do I say that? I feel like I dom my husband sometimes in real life, like during the nine to five, like we work together. Okay. So we work together. We live together. We love each other so much, but we go by my schedule. So I make the schedule. Um, I make sure that we're up like, you know, and I think that's the other thing too. I, I take care of a lot of things that maybe he doesn't quite see. So like the fridge and the food. And I see that this is a topic that's come up on TikTok a lot, like the invisible things that you do for the house. And so you know, like I'll plan stuff out for the week and figure out where we are. And so I feel like to plan out also sex for the complete day takes a lot out of me. So I don't mind doming if I had a particularly easy day, but honestly, again, it's my space to just turn off, turn it off. And I like my skin getting cold. Like I actually genuinely love hard, hard, firm, like holds downs so like a lot of this like we bring a lot of restraints and things into our play so it's not necessarily like positions but mostly like restraints and things like that because I like being secure and held and I for some I internalize that as like you're safe you're here you're with somebody who wants to be with you like in that prisoner type way too like you're mine to keep and I'm never letting you go. And I love that feeling like that's, you know, and I don't think that that's bad to love that feeling at all. It's, I think deep down inside, a lot of people want someone to really take ownership of them in like a loving way, you know, whatever that love looks like to them. No, I, cause I've, I've got it in my notes about when we were talking about reasons to try BDSM for myself, I was saying, If I was with the right person, if I was with a partner 
and it was we 100% loved and trusted each other I do think I would switch it up and I would let them take control and give them the opportunity to take me out of my head and just let me be and let me feel sensation but I know for me it would have to be a lot of trust and a lot of conversations especially as we've spoken in the past about how I don't have an issue with restraints, but I cannot have, I don't think I would enjoy being blindfolded. Mm-hmm. And I definitely wouldn't enjoy it if my partner was behind me. Um, you know, do you think I- that you would do baby steps? Sorry, do you think that you would do baby steps at all? Like, like would blindfolding without the being tied up, would that be something that might be I an think option that- or? It would depend. And I think it for me, it would be okay if I have a blindfold, then we agree. Mm-hmm. I am on my back, you are at my front. Like I need to make sure you don't just walk away. Cause obviously one of my biggest triggers and one of my biggest trauma is that I don't like not knowing who's touching me. I don't, I don't find that attractive. For me, that makes my skin crawl. That it could be a complete stranger, it could be my partner. Mm-hmm. I don't understand like I don't get that I like to be able to know and make you know maybe that is something with the right partner I could grow to trust and I could grow to enjoy but I feel like where I'm at right now wouldn't be a good yeah. it would it would definitely I would definitely end up safe wording very very quickly yeah yeah okay. um but yeah but I would like I like the idea of being held down I like, you know, my biggest fantasy is I want to part, everyone thinks it's a bit, part of it is about the vagismus. I'm like, my biggest fantasy is I want to get railed by a hot butch with a strap on. And I don't think that is too hard. Like they can go to the gym, they can get some hip action. They need a bigger but butt. That's what it is, right? Butt. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was like, but mine is like, you know, against a wall would do it for me. Yeah. If I was in their lap that would do it for me the, they could still have control but I just need that closeness of knowing yeah See, I feel like I turn into a thing where these are the no-go zones this is the off limits this is what it is but then I I feel like I've been pretty lucky I've never had anyone push on those but then again I don't consider my levels like quite low either so it's pretty good <laughs> so uh for at least pain tolerance and things like that yeah. so I just turn off my brain yeah I feel so comfortable and that's the thing too but I used to not always be like this I think when I first got into BDSM and kink I definitely when I first was getting into it very very first even even before BDSM BDSM and kink before I was formally introduced I feel like I was pushing boundaries a lot within myself but not really knowing how to do it like and really using the terms like once I learned the language of how to actually not because you can say ask and things like that, but like safe word, boundaries, triggers, turnoffs, aftercare. These were all sentences I would never use before. Yeah. So like it was hard. Like it's, that's the thing too. It's hard to even communicate your boundaries and limits and things like that, or where you want to go when you don't even know how to say it. Yes. I think that is something I've had to work on. So even when I'm, you know, I haven't had sex in a while, that will change. But it is something that I have to constantly work on for myself where I'm going, okay, even in my fantasies, even when I'm masturbating, how do I say I don't want something? How does that look like? And kind of starting trying to incorporate that idea of open communication. Mm -hmm. 
into into sex and into play and pleasure just so that I have a chance to practice because I think that's the other thing you don't get a chance to practice how you really set those boundaries you know what that's a valid point like unless yeah that's a valid point like unless you're actually practicing with another person like you can learn this and things but when you actually get in front of a person and have to ask those difficult questions especially about health records right like that's the most sensitive topic I feel people talk about they just so nervous to actually say hey I need an updated record yeah it, it, I think, and you know, and we have previously talked about the fact that people aren't getting STI checks enough because they're worried about what that means and oh. worried that it means they're immediately going to be seen as unhealthy and dirty when actually that isn't the case. I would respect somebody more if they were like, here's my last three from three, like from the last three to six months. I'd be like, cool. What is really crazy? Like Sorry, what I find crazy about health records, though, like even if you do or you did get something related to sex and you got an infection or something, I've seen worse, grosser shit on regular people about like cuts that get infected, um, burns. I've seen, uh, I used to know a guy who was a roofer and he had these boils on the back of his shoulders and from third degree burns, basically. And I was like, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. But somehow like these things, like they're never, it's the shame. That's what it is. It's not so much the actual disease or infection or whatever it is. It's the shame around, oh, you got that because you had sex. Yes, people, we have sex. Look at us. We're not here because we didn't have sex. Like we're here because we had sex, you idiot. Like Immaculate conception is not a thing, but it's, it's such an interesting one when we, when it does come back to this conversation on BDSM though, and shame is so many people are doing forms of BDSM. They just don't formally call it that. So yes. many people are like, oh, I like rough sex or I like being spanked or I like having my hair pulled. But that, that is BDSM. Yeah, so. it's the baby level and I'm, I'm the basic level. We love the basics here. We are all about the basic BDSM and kink levels. It's <laughs> kink that I think people need to be more in tune with. It's the brain side. It's the imagination. Listen, it's okay. You want to pick up something up? You want to hit somebody? Whatever, as long as you follow the basics. But it's the kink side that I think that people have such a hard time with. Like, what are we allowed to enjoy for sex? Like, what is the untouchable? Like, missionary, that's it. Like, that's the only thing, only sex position that doesn't get negative connotations about. That's fucking ridiculous. But the imagination, baby, that's where it all comes in for me anyways. Oh, yeah, because you've got the kink side. And fetishes as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm fat. I am so fascinated by certain fetishes it's not things that do it for me personally but I do sit there sometimes and go who was the first person that realized this was something they could get off to (laughs) I just want to know the story (laughs) that's true also I think a connotation that or misconception is that every if I say oh hey I'm into BDSM and kink I don't want anyone to think that I'm having that every time I have sex with my husband. Like that's not as, you know, we have like slow, cute here in the moment, like body, body to body, skin to skin. Like it's all types of all sorts of things. But I think maybe that's just me, but you know, it's like, oh, you're in a BDSM and kink. You must be doing that all the time. No, I it's I've had a similar conversation with one of my best friends where we were saying about if you is it something that people do every single time they're in it. Because we've got a few friends that are into very hardcore fetishes. Ones that require 
a lot of uh, outfit changes, shall we say. <laughs> and I was like, it takes, you can't be having, for all people act like every single time they're having sex with a partner, every single time it's all about the play. I'm like, it can't be because it you lose your spontaneity. You know, I you guess think, it- you think about, if you're in ones where it's like, we only wear leather, we only do PV- PVC, we wear the puppy mask. We do. You think you've got no time to have a quickie with your partner because by the time you have lubed up, talked yourself down, wiggled into it, got the toys out, there is no. You're gonna be like, oh fuck, I've got to go back to work. Now. No, I agree. Like the BDSM and kink ones is when we actually sit down and we do the plan and prep. Like that's yeah. like it's an event. It yeah, of sad. course, of course. But you know, yeah, because I've I've always I because I think that is one of the misconceptions, like you said, that gets pushed through, and it gets pushed through by the media. It gets pushed through by I think obviously as awful as Fifty Shades of Grey was, and it is awful. That idea of where he's like the only way we can be together, the only way we can have sex is it's all got to be focused on that. Yeah, and that's not no. That, what if? What if you've had a bad day? What if you're not in the right headspace, but you are still horny? What if, what if, what if? But also, like you said, if it's just not, it's not, that's impossible. Like, that's just, it can't happen every, like, yes, I agree that to say it always, first of all, why are we using the words always? Like, it's not always everything all the time. Yes, I agree. It also feeds back into that idea of how certain people are having sex. Because yeah. I think people, are, it's the same as when people assume all gay men do is anal. Well, actually, that's not true. Anal is like, anal is also, is obviously a way they, do, like, gay men are having sex. But you think you've got a, you've got a clean, you've got a douche, you've got a lube up, you've got a, you can't eat certain things because throughout the day, because of what it can do to your stuff. There is a whole lot of prep that goes into anal sex, the same as into planning a scene. Yeah. Sometimes if you and your partner do, or like you're just horny, you do the soft thing. You do the hand job. You do the blow job. You do some rutting against each other. It's the same as, you know, sex with lesbians. I think that's the thing is there's so, the, the BDSM like sex. There's so many misconceptions that there is only one way to enjoy it and one type of way to have it. Yeah. And with uh, kinks too, like I would say, even to your point, like for age play, right? So I, yeah, that was something I liked doing. I liked playing, not, it's not necessarily, and this is what I think a misconception is about age play for me, because I can say that, but really it was that I wanted someone to take care of me. It's a really hard one when it comes to it, because like you said about people immediately ascribing trauma to you saying you like doing BDSM. But when it comes to age play, I think unfortunately it's one of those ones where people immediately assume assume a very specific type of trauma when it comes to age play. It's, it's an ex- They go immediately to the extreme of what could have happened in your childhood. It will never just be oh, okay, like you did, like you said, I didn't get certain, I didn't get mentally or emotionally certain needs met. It's immediately the stepdad was in the bedroom at night. You know what I mean? It's a very, 
in, it's a very hard one because the minute you try to defend yourself, the more people double down on it. Yeah. And it's from vice versa, from the other side, if, you, if you're the person who enjoys caring, if you enjoy being the caregiver, the daddy or the mummy, then people, autom- there's an automatic assumption that you're doing this because you're secretly a pedophile. Yes, yes. And you're I, like, no. And that's the argument too, because if somebody wanted to come at me and say that it's trauma, then I should in theory, quote unquote, want to also dom because of what happened to me because of my rape. So people, you know, no one ever comes up to me and says, oh, why aren't you a dom? Like what? Like in theory, you should want a dom. You should want a dom. And it's like, that's the thing. Like I don't actually take my rape as a trauma at all because I knew I wasn't in the wrong. I had a really good friend support. I knew that I was home. Like I didn't have, like, it, you know, like I, I, there was no blame on myself. I got really, I, I would say lucky in that sense. Cause I went through the whole trial and I saw a lot of people that do take on blame a little bit. Yeah. But like I took accountability after through growing, like, Hey, I just don't want to be drinking with people. I don't know. I don't want to sleep in houses. I don't know. Like I did change added, like it did change things because of it. But to say that I'm going to all, all of a sudden, like now want to dominate 24 hours a day because something happened to me. No, that's not. No. What really caused emotional damage to me was, again, those lack of caretaking responsibilities that I feel like I missed out on. No, that one makes complete sense. Mine is, yeah, I unfortunately was one of those ones that ascribed blame for myself. I managed, I, yeah, it took me a long time to come to terms with what had happened with my sexual assault that I'm, yeah, the blame was always there for me. I... I put the blame on myself and I know that there are a lot of people who are like the me yeah like you said the me immediate time of me saying actually I think I would like to dom is people going well of course because you never had your boundaries listened to so therefore you want to be in control of where those boundaries are Um, but I still get that from being submissive if I am submissive with a partner but also you're completely taking a part of my personality and turning it into something that's not what it's about. I've always been, I like this, I like that. And like I said, my form of play is not necessarily going to be, oh, I want to be, I want to beat the shit out of somebody. It is, I just like the, I like the attention. I like the idea of somebody going out of their way to please me, to be rewarded with letting me come. Yeah, yeah. Fine. I think one of the best ones for me was talking to my friend who did my boudoir show and talking about the different forms of domination there are like um my friends fall more on like the sensuality side of things they do more sensual play but I've got other friends that do like proper cock and ball torture as well mm-hmm. it's such an interesting one when the minute you understand that not everything is as nuanced as this is what a submissive is this is what a dom is this is what certain play is like actually you kind of realize it's it's a multifaceted experience and people get what they need out of it in different ways and for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the thing about it. It's healing doesn't have to look a certain way either. Like if I'm telling you to your face that I feel like this was a very healing environment for me to not only be able to let out aggressions on one side, but to also be in my softest form on the other that's healed. Like I was able to balance out the feminine energy that I had with feminine masculine energy. And so 
to think that if someone if someone were to make me feel bad for that, I actually don't care because my life has literally transformed on all facets. Yeah. It's yeah, it's helped you become the woman that you are today. Absolutely. So I think when people think of age play, somehow they've got in their head that they're immediately picturing like a small child and like an adult, but it's like, dude, they're still adults. Like, what are we talking about? This is two adults that are doing this, they're making feelings for each other. Like, it's not an age. That's the thing. I do feel like it's a mindset. The name of it throws people off um, as well. But there are kinks out there where people dress up as full babies. Like, go for it, man. Like, and I think, but then it is, that's the thing. When people think of age play, it is that extreme. It is that extreme of the adult babies of that kind of mindset when actually, like you said, it's not. And it's not saying that there aren't people out there who do settle that certain urges for it. There, there probably are people who fall within like the pedophile category who do use it for that exact reason. But that is not a majority. That is not everybody. And to ascribe it as immediately given it that linking to that, you turn something that can be quite beautiful, what can be quite an amazing relationship of giving and taking. I like to be the caretaker. I like to give up. I I, need, I want to give up the control and have somebody just take care of me for a little while. You immediately like make it sordid and something dirty that it's not. It's, yeah. you know, age play is one of those ones where it's always going to have a misconception. There's always going to be a conversation where people go like uh, imagine they always imagine it to the extremes like you said it's that I know I'm- which is crazy because honestly I walk around and say baby all the time to my husband he calls me his baby girl like I you know it's just regular conversation that I feel like people say to each other because everybody at heart wants to be taken care of on some level like yeah. deep down inside we all have these basic needs that we need like shelter protection care or love and it's just why are we making someone feel bad for getting those in a consenting way? Like we should be talking about like, this is a healthy outlet. Everything's okay here. Um, Cause what's the alternative? Then this person doesn't get it, even though there's a healthy option too. I don't know. It helped me get through some places. I got the encouragement I, that I never had before. And then through there, I got to go and explore other things. And I've explored other ways of being helpful and other ways of putting emotions in places and just overall healing journey and it started with my sexual wellness it has to sexual wellness and your mental health are so intrinsically connected anyway so we've talked about that so much yes that's true and yeah to your point I know you've said this a couple times but like not you don't have to over qualify everything like it doesn't oh there hasn't to be a reason some people just you know, whatever it is, maybe they like it, who cares, whatever they liked in their childhood. Now they like it as an adult. What's weird about this? Exactly. It's the same as, yeah. It's when people see my mom, like, yeah, tentacle porn sometimes hot. Oh, what is it? I'm like, it is. I don't want to fuck an octopus. Yeah. So like, okay. I'm picturing, really hot fuck. <laughs> I'm picturing you crawling into a tank and just like fucking an octopus, like mermaid <laughs> style there. Just, oh my God. Yeah. It just, I can't imagine that. I couldn't even be a mermaid. Would you do that as a kink? Would you dress up as an octopus and have your partner dress up as an octopus? No? No, I think I could do that. No, come on. Not even for Halloween, not even one day a year, dress up as a fucking octopus. (laughs) 
I just feel like, especially if they decided to do it as like, oh, I'm going to surprise you. Like instead of sexy lingerie, I walk in and it's just them on the bed in a tentacled like octopus outfit. I think I have to walk out of I the so I'm laughing. I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I can take it seriously and get into the right headspace. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Honestly, I made a joke with onrog about like um i was like i want to be a cash cow for halloween and dress up in a big inflatable cow and like stick money to me because that's what oh. i'm really manifesting is like please just be a cash cow this year and like he makes jokes about it all the time now and i actually think it's hilarious but you know the blow-up ones i think that would be yeah, funny i know what we're just talking about you need that and then just one of those um but they've got the guns with the money attached. Mm, yes. You dance into it like that. That's so jokes. Make those others move. Make those others move. <laughs> I don't make us. I don't make us. But I think this is as much time as we have for today. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add to this conversation or last remarks? I... I think until I truly try it, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to fully understand what BDSM is. And I think that's the thing is just finding the space for me to try it. Well, thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Well, that's it for us. Make sure to follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. You can find me at the partition underscore life. And you can find Katrina at underscore satisfied cat. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. And as always, Stay kinky.